Well, thank you, ladies. That was beautiful and a good way to move us into further into worship. I know you've been worshiping already this morning, and uh, God is at work. You know, even this morning in Sunday school, uh, the way the scriptures were laid out and, and the lesson was given and the believers are sharing, the Spirit of God began to move in my life. And I've been born again for 20 years or so, 25 years or so, but I'm reminded even this morning of how much more the gospel still applies to me and how much I live every day by the grace of God. Watching the PowerPoint in the song we sang about the cross of Christ, it struck me how right now in my life, the cross of Christ, the death of Christ has been applied to me, but man, there'll be a time when, when that's cashed in at death when I stand before him, and then I will see how that truly applies to me. When I stand before God and realize I have nothing at all that brings me through these gates into this place, nothing at all. In fact, I'm actually ashamed of this, and I want to back away. And he says, you may enter because of the cross of Christ. And so now if you say, how does that cross apply to me now? You know, there's freedom from sin, the control of sin. There's freedom from guilt of sin. There's freedom from that conviction, that heavy burden on you. Uh, and that's lifted now. But, man, the true payoff comes when we pass and we stand before him. And so we have this great application now and also later with the cross of Christ. So just enjoy that. Um, if you're far from God today, there is no better time than right now to come and to come to him. We have one salvation, and we have a God who's opened his arms wide and say, come to me now, do this now. Today could be the day of salvation for you. And I want you to know that, and I want you to make this day that day if you have not done that so far. And God is amazing, and Christ is amazing, and, and we have one sacrifice for sin. There is no more. There's not a, 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 an appendix to this. There's not like an addendum tomorrow to the crucifixion of Christ. It's done, right? And it's offered, and we have to respond to that. There's nothing else. There's not a second chapter to this. There's, there's nothing later next week for this. The sacrifice was made, and we, we have this to act on. So stop waiting for something different. And especially if that difference is you trying to save yourself. Stop. Just stop doing that. We're going to see some scriptures in a moment together that will encourage us to not do that anymore. There's no better group of people to be with than these people that you're with today. And the people that you've been with already this morning. The Lord is in this place in a depth and a variety. Variety is in all around. I've said this before from like the babies to the elderly, okay? Christ is at work here. There's a depth of his work in people coming to Christ for the first time and also people who've been Christians for a long time coming into their purpose and their service and the strength of the Spirit being displayed in their life is happening now. So in depth and variety, this is a great group of people to be with. My wife and I have been here for almost a year now and we are still meeting, encouraging people we've not talked to yet. There's that many folks here. We're still getting to know people and their stories and their history and their salvation and how God's using them still today after 10 months. And there's still more of you we've not connected with that we hope to connect with. And so there's plenty of time to get to know great people and be encouraged. Frank Long, great job this morning. I'm telling you what, we could have had an altar call, an old school altar call, and people would have been saved. I'm telling you, it's, it was great. Um, I tell you, we have some wonderful people who God has brought here to equip us and to send us out from this place. Remember, what you get today is meant to be shared. 
okay? And meant to pump you up and encourage you and get you out there and giving it away. I was born just um, a little too late to experience the phenomena of arena rock. Now, arena rock was a style of music that originated in the 1970s, mid-70s. Hard rock bands were becoming increasingly popular. What happened was they just put a whole bunch of amps and speakers on the stage, rented out these huge, large uh, venues, threw in some smoke, some fireworks, lighting shows, and this became known as arena rock. You may have heard of bands like Boston and Foreigner and Queen uh, that were part of this arena rock movement, maybe the most famous one. For me, exactly looking back was Kiss. That was a part of the arena rock movement. Um, I saw a Kiss poster on my cousin's door when I was like eight, and I was like, I don't know if I should be deathly afraid of what I'm looking at, or it's pretty cool at the same time. Like, I don't know what's going on. Is that a comic book? No, it's a band. I'm like, that's a comic book, man. He's like, no, it's a band. I'm like, whoa. And to this day, these guys are still performing and wearing paint and stuff. It's crazy. And they're in pretty good shape. I want to be in that good of shape when I'm 80 or 90. I don't know how old Kiss is. Um, But (laughs) they had a time, I remember like in the 80s when they took the makeup off, right? Everybody's like, put it back on. Put Go back to the makeup, brother. <laughs> no, nah, these guys are good. But, uh, you know, KISS, arena rock band, you get the idea of, of, of these huge arenas full of people and having this great time of loud music and all kind of crazy, crazy stuff going on. Now, I want you to imagine with me a galactic-sized arena in space. Space has to contain this galactic-sized arena full of people, and the people in this galactic-sized arena are from all over the world, every nation, every tribe, every language, every subculture, every small group of people to ever be together and share in ethnicity. They're all together represented in this galactic arena. And what's happening in this galactic arena is that people are cheering at the the height of their voice as loud as they can, and they're cheering and they're yelling and they're exclaiming and proclaiming praise to one person. And what happens on that stage is up from the bottom of the stage rises one person in the smoke, and the smoke clears, and this one person is the Lamb of God by himself on that stage, and all the nations in this galactic-sized arena are cheering as loud as they can for him and praising him as he stands as the sacrificial lamb. And that's Jesus Christ. And I'm not making this up. Uh, It sounds great, you know, if I did, but I didn't. This is Revelation 9, uh, 7, 9 through 10. What you see here, what was given to to John on the island of Patmos, these visions, these, these, these visions, they were not always in order. They were not always chronological He didn't know, he just saw them and wrote them down and God's preserved them to give to us. And so what you see here is for us in this room, a future event, those who've passed from us are experiencing this worship of Jesus right now in heaven. So for us, this future event, John says this, after I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, no one could count. That's a lot of people. It's a vast number of people from every nation and tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice. They're crying out in a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They weren't prostrate in prayer. They, they weren't quiet. They weren't mumbling prayers. They were crying out in a loud voice. This was a rock concert for Jesus Christ. And what they're saying is salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One thing for us, salvation. Incredible. We have ideas of what that's like now because we're free from sin, but I guarantee you when we enter into heaven at this time and we're a part of that, the one thing on our brains, on our mouths is going to be salvation, salvation, salvation. We are here. And by the way, this lasts forever. <laughs> this, this worship of Christ lasts forever, uh, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, that's going to be fun. When I'm in church sometimes, I'm like, are we done? Are we done? Let's sing some more. Let's worship some more. Um, this was great. I hate to go home, back to, you know, chores and, and back to jobs and back to all that stuff that we immediately come from worship, right? And you go, kind of back down to life, right? And, and you're all, oh, okay, the high is gone, right? Imagine if that's just like a constant thing. You're in heaven with your loved ones and with other believers, and, and here's Jesus, and, and here's this concert going on, and you're just there, and you're like, we ain't got to go home. We ain't got to go balance the checkbook. We ain't got to go face the boss. We ain't got to put gas in a car. We ain't got to worry about lunch or supper. We ain't got nowhere to go. We're here. We're here. This is where we've gone. We're done. We're here. And that's incredible, and that's, that's, that's heaven. Our world is huge. Uh, Seven billion people, and it keeps going up. Um, the IMB and the Joshua Project working together have told us there are 12,000 people groups. That goes up to 16,000 in some, in some studies, and then, and then even down to like 9 or 10 in some studies. It, it's, it's just kind of up and down to count. It's hard to count. We used to count countries, 196 countries, and say we've got to reach the countries for Christ. And you look at the language in the Bible, and, and it's not the countries. It's, it's the ethnos, it's the language, it's the people groups, it's the tribes. And sometimes you have tribes of 400 people that are separated from, from all society around them and have their own ethnicity and their own language, and they need the gospel. Sometimes 20 miles away is a whole different culture and language, and they have the gospel, but the 400 in, in, in this area, they don't have the gospel. And they'll be represented in this scene here. And so they need the gospel as well, too. So we can't just say it's countries. We can't just say it's ethnicity. Man, it gets down to subclusters and smaller pockets in places like Russia and places like Africa and South America um, where, uh, where you have people still being almost discovered, unreached tribes still being discovered that we have to pray for and we have to get the gospel to. The largest people group in the world is the Han Chinese. Large, large people group, the Han Chinese. God isn't working the Han Chinese. God is doing some amazing things in China. You might not see or hear about it. Some of it's underground. Some of it's not. Some of it's above ground, and the government can't stop it, and they've kind of had to bless it. <laughs> they've kind of said, we really can't stop it. This is kind of really, it's a, it's a big, huge thing. And so God's moving in all kind of ways in places like that. Some of the smallest groups, like, like in Russia, there's a people group called the, the Udmurts, and the Udmurts are in southern Russia, and, and the gospel was not available to the Udmurts until like the last five or six years. Just closed off from society, closed off from the rest of Russia, and, and we were able to send missionaries to Udmurt. We had to wait for God to call somebody to go to Udmurt. I mean, it's like, who wants to go to Russia? We go to different places. Udmurt doesn't have anybody bringing the gospel. 
So we prayed for years. God raised someone up to go to Udmurtia, and God raised a couple to go to Udmurtia, and they've taken the gospel there, and there are more people there now. Think about West Columbia and Casey. Just for, think about West Columbia and Casey for a moment. Some of y'all lived here for a long time, maybe all your life. But you go to the bank, do you see people you've never seen before in our small town? Or you go to Walmart and you see people you've never, ever seen before. And that's amazing. Even West Columbia Casey, there's a lot of people here, and you don't know everybody. You can't know everybody. It's just Our city is just huge. I went to Washington, D.C. with my family a couple weeks ago for spring break. Scratch that off the bucket list. Uh, one and done. Okay? It was great. <laughs> one and done, man. I'm still recovering from that. It's a lot to see and do. But I said, guys, isn't it amazing? Everybody you're going to see in the next three days you've never seen before, ever. They're strangers. They're just, you've never seen them before. It's crazy. Wild. They've never seen you. You've never seen them. But I come back to West Columbia and I go, I've never seen a lot of people here before either. It's like all new people. Y'all, so the task is just huge. The task is really huge to share the gospel with those that, that we encounter and we come upon. Now, one thing that this concert has in heaven that nothing we ever can produce here has are the angels because the angels jump in in verses 11 and 12. So the angels are standing around the throne and the elders are there and the four living creatures. Do some research on those, okay? Uh, they're there too. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. And they said, amen. In response to what the born-again believers have said, salvation belongs to our God. They said, amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Look at all the ands. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power. They couldn't stop. They just kept going. There's all these things that we can ascribe to our God. So the angels get in on this worship because God is God. And the angels are amazed at salvation. They didn't need to be saved. We needed to be saved. And they stand back and look at salvation. They go, wow, that's curious. I mean, look at, look at God having this mercy. Look at God having this grace on these stiff-necked sinful people who've cursed him and walked away from him. That's amazing. And it increases their worship, but the angels are just amazed at salvation. But they keep going, and they can't stop this praise and worship at this galactic rock concert for the Lord. And so I ask myself, sitting here now in this day and time, I say, how did we get, how do we get there? What happens between now and then for me and for us? What's the steps to get to this, to this kind of gathering here? And there's a couple of things that are going on now and need to go on now to get to this point. And the first is this. We need to recognize that God loves to fix the broken. God loves to restore a broken world to himself and a broken people to himself. It's kind of God's M.O. to fix broken things. He loves to fix broken things. Creation was broken, fix it. Man's broken, fix them. He fixes broken things. The whole religious system was broken. He comes in and he fixes it. And God's M.O., like what he's known for, is to fix broken things and broken people. He fixes us. And it's all on him, right? It's all on God, right? Like, God loves us first, okay? Before we knew him and loved him, he loves us first. And then God convicts us of our sin. We're walking around going, yeah, I sinned, but so what? We're not even convicted of sin. 
And then God, through the Holy Spirit, convicts us of sin. And we go, oh my, oh my gosh, I sin against God. The day that you like hurt because of your sin and you realize you sin and, you're, and you're, you can't stand it and it pains you, that's the day of transformation. All right? When you know you sin and you don't care, you're not born again. When you know you sin and you go, oh my gosh, I can't, I've got to, how do I fix this? What do I do? I do not want to stay in my sin. Transformation comes. So God convicts, and then God calls us. After he convicts, he calls. He says, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love the word all because he says, come to me all. That's everybody. And that's every nation and every people group. Jesus Christ is is. 100% totally wide open to the whole world. No one is left out. No one is is rejected from coming to him. Um, He's saying, he's not saying, no, anybody. Jesus Christ says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. The immediate application for the audience when he was teaching were, were people who longed to please God and be saved but they were in a religious system of Judaism that they could not be saved in. And it was a burden and weary to practice all the commandments and make all the sacrifices and remember all your sins. It was impossible to be saved in Judaism. It's impossible to be saved. And he's seen these folks who, who are broken, and he says, you know what, come to me, all of you, and drop the religious ceremonies, drop the religious laws, God gave us 10 commandments. Some of these leaders hyped on 10 or 12 more on top of those. It became impossible to even try. And they were working to be saved and trying every day to work to be saved. He said, you know what? Stop all that. Please stop working to be saved. Stop being religious to be saved. He said, just come to me and I'll give you rest. All right, so replace the whole broken religious system with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he says, have faith in me and be saved and I will give you rest for your soul. So to this immediate application of these folks, it was, it was a whole new way. Truly deep down in their hearts, they knew the worship of God was different than that. They knew the worship of God was different, and they knew it can't be this difficult, but humans got involved, and people got involved, and it got really, really burdensome. The ultimate application for all of us is that we don't have to be weary or burdened by our sins anymore and he will give us rest from our sins and our sinful natures. Post-salvation, I am not controlled by my sinful nature. Beforehand, I was. I couldn't stop sinning. I mean, it was just a part of who I was. It was my lifestyle, and it was your lifestyle. After salvation, I can say no to sin and walk away. I can say, no, no thanks. I crave better things. I crave righteousness. I crave godliness. I say no, and I walk away. And so I have this power over sin. So the burden that he releases us from today is just that burden of a sinful nature that controls us and sends us to death and destruction and separation. So today, though, you may be facing and needing this immediate application. You may be thinking, I've got to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, to go to church, to stand before God, pray a certain way. All these laws and these things are minds build up versus Jesus Christ who says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Have faith in me. Period. Have faith in me. Not belief, but faith. Okay? The demons believe he's the son of God. Doesn't do him any good. Belief does not do us any good. Faith does. Faith is laying your life. Faith is giving your life. It's giving up. It's it's laying it all on him. Faith. I give you my life now. I give you my future. I will be your disciple. You're my Lord. Faith. Okay? Very, very different than belief. Okay? So today you may need this immediate application. You may be 
like some of the folks in Judaism, trying so hard to be good and do right, and it's impossible for you to do that. And stop, come to Christ, let him transform you, and your righteous acts come from him. And all of us need the ultimate application of not being burdened by our sin anymore. So God loves to fix the broken. That's how those folks are there. They were broken, and God himself saved them and saves us. Secondly, how do we get there? God sends us as his messengers to the whole world. He sends all of us out. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent out? God sends all of us out to tell those who have not heard and do not believe that he is the Son of God and that salvation is free. There are multitudes of people who've never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. For you and I, someone came to us and told us. And it may have been in a private counseling setting. It may have been a parent or a grandparent. It may have been the Holy Spirit himself pulling you out. It may have been among, among friends, among church. Someone came to you in the form of a human being, and they shared the gospel with you. And you said, that's what I need. For me, it was my mother. My mother was very convincing because she had been lost and she had been depraved and away from God all my life. And I can tell you all, I can give you all the evidence of how she was not a Christian. It was hard sometimes growing up without Christian parents. But when she became a believer and she made that transformation and she began ministering to me and ministering to my family with the words of God and, and, and her life was totally different. That transformed life, y'all, is convincing. God sends us to those who do not believe because the work he's done in us is convincing. People see something different. They see a new life and, and, and new desires and, and, and new appetites, new directions, new energy, and it's all new because we're new creatures. And, and they say, you're different. Wow. My best friend Chuck Hall in Camden um, was about as bad as you could be in middle school, high school as a teenager. Um, had a reputation of, and if Chuck's listening to this, what's up, man? You know this is true. Um, <laughs> glory to God. Don't try to church it up. This was you, okay? Um, you know, the police drive by. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm going to say something. I'm like, stop. Don't do that, you know. Um, I'm going to talk back to teachers. I'm going to pick fights. I'm going to do things like this. To, you know, just um, was heading towards jail. Put it that way, heading towards jail. And um, he gave his life to Christ through our youth ministry in our church, through Christ saving some of us and then sharing with him. And Chuck is radically saved, and Chuck's serving overseas uh, uh, in a teaching position uh, in the Middle East. Uh, and he's going as a teacher. Um, but Chuck is also being who he is in Christ in a foreign land, uh, making a huge difference. Middle school teacher here in the States, um, baptized one of his students about a year ago, uh, great things. Now, going, I say all that to say this. As I was sharing my faith in high school with a friend of mine 
my car had broken down. He picked me up. He saw me, got in his truck, and he just said, hey, man, um, I noticed that you're kind of in the, into the Bible now, and, and, and all that, that's really cool stuff. And I was like, yeah, but Chuck Hall is saved as well. And the guy was like, what? I was like, yeah, Chuck is a Christian. And the guy said, he said, man, if God can save Chuck Hall, he can save anybody. <laughs> all right? Very convincing. The transformed life is very, very convincing. That's why God sends us. He doesn't send just a Bible. It won't preach itself. He sends someone to preach the Bible. Um, and so we go into all the world because someone came to us, and that's just how God wants to do it, is to send us. We partake in that. So what do we do? Um, we pray, we give, and we go. We pray, we give, and we go. We all pray for the nations. We all give to the nations. We all go to the nations. A healthy gathering of people, a healthy church, do all three, and they refuse to stand in the way of any three of those happening. You may call to, be go, over, to go overseas. You may not be called to go overseas, but we're all called to share Christ where we're at. For some of y'all, it is more dangerous for you to share your faith where you're working right now than it would be for me to go to a foreign country and share my faith. You see how you can't compare, okay? Um, it may be easier for Chuck's team to go to Guatemala and share their faith for different spiritual reasons, just God opening a door and, and freedom to do that, than maybe for you to go into your environment in whatever job you do. So I'm saying that I, I recognize the fact that your job and your family can be volatile and against the gospel. And I realize that as a teacher or a police officer, as, as a bank teller, as a construction worker, as a judge, as whatever it is you may do, it may, not, it may be um, threatening for you to bring up Christ. Recognize that. But he's got us everywhere. And the work of going overseas and sharing the gospel is the exact same work, exact same work of you sharing your faith where you work and with your family. Please do not try to, to make one less and make one more. It's the same work. We're all called to go and to go out from where we are. It may be your neighborhood, and that's your mission field. Please adopt your neighborhoods. I know it's easy to go home, pull in the garage, and be done. I know, because I fight that temptation a lot. I really do. Um, but I realize, man, this is where I live. People see me every single day. This is where I'm going to bless. So, so take responsibility for your neighborhood. Take responsibility for your office and praying and giving and going to those areas. We're all called. You may be homebound. You may be in home, and you can't even go to church anymore. You say, how can I make a difference? Man, you can write cards and write letters. You can call people. That's being a missionary. You can witness to your family. That's being a missionary. Our families need the gospel. So don't, don't shortchange yourself and think, I can't pray. I can't give. I can't go. We're all called to really do all three. And understand this, right? It's never them and us when it comes to missions. It's not, well, there's a group that's going, and that's good for them, but we over here, we, we don't do that. We do different things. That's not a church united. That's a church divided. It's about we. We go. We go. All together, we go. And so don't separate yourself. You may not be specifically called to go to a certain area at a certain time, but you still pray and you give to that effort. We all do that together. Others are called to go, praise the Lord. But you are too. You are too. 
Uh, and, and you need someone to pray and give for you to be able to do what you do as well, too. So it's always we. It's always we. It's never us or them when it comes to mission work, okay? Um, let me share this real quick, what a mission trip is not. For those of you who may be preparing to go anywhere this summer, I know of lots of you who are going somewhere this summer. My daughter Michaela is going somewhere this summer for the first time on a mission trip by herself. It's wonderful. You're passing that torch. Go get them, you know. Um, try to get her, her, her passport applied for. And the passport place said, I don't know what's going on, but our next appointment, our next available appointment is like May 30th. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, you can't get in until May 30th. You've got to go downtown. She said, what are people doing? What's going on this summer where everyone needs passports? And I said, ma'am, people are going overseas to share Jesus. I mean, this is, the, this is the time to get that stuff in order. That's what's happening here. Young people are going all over the place. Man, our young people, y'all, they have the keys to the kingdom right now. They are fearless and courageous. They're not scared. They face, a, they face a dangerous world, and they're like, yeah, they need Jesus, so what? You know, and, and it's amazing. They, we got to support them, all right? They, God is opening doors for them. Um, so what is, what, what is a mission trip? Okay, what, what, what a mission trip is not as you prepare to go on any kind of mission trip. This is just a little bit of information for you if you're in process, okay? Uh, number one, it is not a vacation. Mission trip is not a vacation, all right? Um, you're going to smell things, taste things, do things that are very uncomfortable when you go overseas. Um, and, uh, and, and so you're, eh, it's not really all that fun uh, at all. Uh, I've had wonderful, I've had people in my life when I would go overseas, um, took a, a group one time to a place that's considered a tourist area, everybody lost, everybody pagans, okay? They don't know Jesus, but it's a tour, touristy area. And I had someone tell me they, weren't, they were not going to support my mission trip because I was just going to see the sites. And I was going to visit the sites of this world-renowned tourist area. And I thought, wow, what? Oh, you're missing out. I'm not going on vacation for a week. I'm going to share Christ. And we did with, with Iraqi refugees who had fled the war in Iraq and landed in Western Europe for safety. And we we're sharing Jesus with them. And I was, playing, I was playing battleship with grown Iraqi men. Think about that. We're blowing up battleships together during the Iraq war. That, okay, there's some irony there. I'm sorry. I was just like, we're blowing, I sunk your battleship. I'm like, we're at war right now. This is crazy. But anyway, um, so it wasn't a vacation, though. And, and the trips that folks go on, give them five bucks, give them ten bucks, give them a hundred bucks. They're not going on vacation. I promise you that, Okay. Um, secondly, it is not a humanitarian aid trip, okay? Uh, we're, we go from the church not to just meet human needs. Yes, we meet human needs. That gives us an audience and a trust factor. You cannot miss that. You go and you meet real needs, right, Chuck? You meet real needs. And when you meet real needs, they say, I will hear your gospel because I see you love me. That's what Jesus did, right? He did a whole lot of stuff before he began preaching. And even when he preached, he still did stuff for people. So uh, there's humanitarian aid involved, but it's never just that. There are groups that do that. They don't share Christ. Um, and so uh, missed opportunities. But from our churches, we go on gospel sharing humanitarian aid trips. 
Uh, and then lastly, it's not a resume builder. Um, don't go thinking this is going to look good on your resume at some point. Uh, it's going to make for a great uh, Instagram pic or a great profile picture on Facebook. Uh, don't go for those reasons because God will not fill you with the Holy Spirit if you go with this purpose in mind. It'll be unfruitful. It'll be a disaster for you. You'll have a terrible, terrible time if you go for any other reason than to love and share the gospel with folks around you. So don't think it's a way to kind of look good or pat your back for, for anyone else. That's just a little bit about those who may be, may be going. In conclusion, I want us to ask the Lord something right now together. Let's ask the Lord to be generous with his salvation to the nations. How often do we pray for those who are lost and pray for those who are far from him? Can we cry out together for the lost? Can we grieve for the millions that are separated from God, from their creator? And they will be eternally separated without the gospel. Can we grieve for them? Can we ask God to be generous with his salvation? Can we say, God, thank you for what you've given me, but please, can you please share generously from yourself to the nations? Oh, that we would be broken daily for the lost, that we would be grieved daily for the millions who don't know Christ, and oh, that God would break us and that God would, would send us into a broken world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we continue to be amazed and marveled at who you are and what you call us to do, God, we simply lay our lives down and we say, Lord, send us, Lord, use us. We are undeserving of all your love and grace. God, there are millions who have not yet heard your name. People groups who are not yet represented, Lord, burden us. Burden us for them. Father, thank you for opening doors and, and, and putting plans together to send us. It's amazing when it comes together. But God, we need your Holy Spirit to do that in us. And, and God, when I say sin, I mean to our families and to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods, as well as the nation's father. So burden us for those as well too. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.